You obviously know Kung Fu. Hi, uh, this is Brad Graber, one of the creators of Seis Manos on Netflix. Uh, and this is the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. <laughs> Joining me today is one of the creators of a fantastic anime uh, martial arts epic on uh, Netflix uh, known as Seis Manos, Brad Graber. Brad, thank you so much for joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast today. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> it's really great to have you. Uh, Seis Manos is incredible, so congratulations on the success of that. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, how have you been holding up with what has been a pretty surreal year? It's been, it's been a crazy year. I'm doing all right. I mean... Uh, the studio has adapted really well uh, to working from home. I mean, animation is one of the few things that really has kept going. Uh, you know, actually had a, a kind of a little bit of a resurgence because of what's been going on due to people not being able to shoot as much in live action and all of that other sort of stuff. Uh, animation has become something that's, you know, can continue on despite everything. Uh, and so we've actually been very lucky in that, you know, uh, we've been kept busy and work is moving forward. So it's been great. Now that's good. But uh, otherwise you're all healthy. Everything's good. All healthy. I can't wait to get back into uh, uh, classes and seeing a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> I haven't, you know, I, I've been doing martial arts for about 20 years and I haven't uh, been able to play hands or spar or do anything like that for about a year, which, you know, will drive you a little bit crazy. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing all right. See, that's awesome. I, I was going to get into that a little bit, but uh, since you brought it up, um, I wanted to find out if you were a, a martial artist yourself. 20 years you've been studying. 20 years, yeah. I, I started doing uh, Seven Star Manus about uh, 20 years ago. Uh, around the same time, we started Powerhouse. So uh, what wow. had happened is uh, you know, I came out of grad school and hadn't done much physical activity was in front of a computer screen 24 seven uh and then started an animation studio and it kind of was the same right so like i, I had to find something uh to get a little bit uh active and i had i'd done some martial arts as a as a kid growing up but uh it was around that time where i was like i need to find something serious that i could really dedicate myself to and continually practice to try to stay in some form of shape that's cool so how did you get involved in martial arts uh, in the first place then what drew you to it and um for 20 years that's that's straight up commitment <laughs> well you know it, it all started uh it's funny you know i'm a i'm a I was born in 75. Uh, and so I came up in uh, kind of around the time of the height of uh, Kung Fu theater on UHF <laughs> TV. Right. So like yeah. I grew up a big Shaw brothers fan. Uh, awesome. I had uh, 12 cousins and we would always uh, meet up as a big family and we would watch, you know, uh, black belt theater, Kung Fu theater on Sundays. <laughs> and then afterwards we'd all play Kung Fu out in the, <laughs> the yard. And I've always, I've, I've always had a, a fascination with the philosophy and uh, the general film work and all of that other sort of stuff. And so uh, it, it just seemed like something, if I was going to find something I could commit myself to, it had to draw on all these interests. Uh, and, yeah. you know, 
uh, I love fight choreography and uh, love thinking about that sort of stuff. And so it just, it was, it was a natural fit. Yeah. So uh, let me, let me see if, uh, if you can remember the first uh, Kung Fu film that had an impact on you. Uh, you know, it, I don't know if it was the first, but I do remember five deadly venoms. I think yes! you know, when you're, when you're growing <laughs> up as a kid, the, the masks and the, kind of like almost wrestler-like spectacle of it all yeah. kind of clicked uh, in, in a way that some of the other ones didn't for me. Uh, but, you know, uh, Five Deadly Venoms, uh, uh, Executioners from Shaolin was a, nice. another favorite one. And, uh, you know, 36 Chamber, all, all the, all the yeah. classics. And of course, like every other kid of that age, I was a Bruce Lee fan too. Sure. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And uh, Five Deadly Venoms was... Uh pretty uh, impactful for me as well. It's it's one of my favorites. It's it's still the one that I refer to whenever I introduce anybody to Kung Fu film. Um, and like you, uh, after watching, I would get together with my friends and somebody would inevitably be the centipede and I would want to be the snake and, and so on. So Yeah, you always um, have that friend that wanted to be the toad and just would like let you hit him and like, like <laughs> ah, I don't feel nothing. Like, you got to get in my ear. Yeah, I know. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So uh, then it would be safe to assume that uh, when uh, Seis Manos was uh, in the creation stage uh you're the one who brought the the kung fu knowledge to the table yeah yeah for, i mean and so that's kind of the way that it, it came up like what what happened was at powerhouse we were working on trying to get more adult genre based animation out there right so like uh it's a long and winding story but i'm going to try to make it as concise yeah. as possible but you know we we're we're a studio that started uh, as a whole bunch of guys who worked in traditional 2D animation. So we had people from Don Bluth. We had people from the Fox studio that did Titan AE that had closed down. We had a bunch of folks from Disney. But, you know, when we started the studio 20 years ago, it was all on paper. And so, like, we would get scenes from things. We worked on, like, Eight Crazy Nights and The Proud Family and stuff like that. And we would get these scenes um, <laughs> that were very, you know, just typical animation. You would draw on the paper, put it back in a FedEx box and ship it off. But over the years, the studio grew quite a bit. And being in Austin, uh, after 2D film kind of died, because, uh, you know, after Eight Crazy Nights, there wasn't a lot for a while. Uh, we, we started getting a whole bunch of young people who were more based, you know, they're, they're, uh, what they loved and watched the most was anime. And so then we started watch, working in video games a whole bunch, right? And so we were doing video game cinemas for all these various games. And it just made us a studio that did a lot of fight-based action stuff, which is rare uh, in the States. And so I was always pushing to try to do more action. And so because of Shaw Brothers and because <laughs> of doing Kung Fu, I, I wanted to write this thing that you know was a tribute, a love letter to those, those movies. Uh, but when I was researching the history of it all, I was trying to figure out a way to do that uh, perfect Sifu, like make it work inside of Mexico. And so uh, what happened was I did some math and, you know, there was the Chinese di diaspora where a whole bunch of people ended up there like they did in the States. And I was like, well, that would make it and that puts it in the 70s, which is perfect for Shaw Brothers and all this other sort of stuff. But also I know I'm a white guy uh, and like it's not <laughs> if I, I could bring, you know, uh, authenticity to the side of like, well, Jow is the stuff you put on your hands and all of that other sort of stuff. Um, but uh, luckily, I was introduced to Alvaro Rodriguez, the guy who wrote Machete. 
wonderful human being, one of my favorite uh, people in the world. And uh, he was able to, you know, bring the other side of the coin. Like he, uh, he went to UT and was an Austinite and all this other sort of stuff, but he also had grown up around the border towns and back and forth in Mexico. And so kind of he and I came together and made this thing that uh, became Seismanos. Yeah. Now you mentioned typical animation. Uh, if anything, Seismanos is, is, the polar opposite of typical uh, anime, uh, grindhouse, black exploitation, kung fu. This had to be a little bit of a difficult sell when you started bringing this around to the to the studios. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> no joke. Uh, we we pitched it around for five years. Like um, it was it was something that is definitely out of the norm. Uh, there was a specific producer I remember I, I showed it to because we had done a small animation test. Uh, just to kind of show what the show could look like. Sam Dietz, who directed Castlevania for Powerhouse, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, directed that small, like, one to two-minute thing that we did. Um, and, you know, we would show it, and everybody would be like, oh, my God, that's awesome. This makes no sense. <laughs> like, I, I, I had this the, the story I was going to tell is this one producer saw it, and he was like, this is amazing, Brad. You have got to stop you know, pitching stuff like this. If it's not based on a toy, if it's not for a kid's demo, if it's not based on a big IP, if it's an adult, like it's just never going to sell. Luckily for us, Castlevania came out, you know, after a while. It, it's it, The two shows are kind of linked in a weird way. Like uh, we had done the test for Seismanos and it's kind of what we showed when we were pitching ourselves as the studio to do Castlevania. So then we convinced Frederator to let us do the animation and direct that. Uh, and then we, while we were working on it, we were still out selling Seismanos. And so like we knew it was possible. We knew it was going to be great, but because of non-disclosure agreements and all that other sure. sort of stuff, you can't talk about it. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think Castlevania is what opened the gate. Uh, and allow people to consider doing genre shows uh, in the adult space, like Blood of Zeus, like what we're working on currently with He-Man. Like it's it's uh, and certainly Seismanos. So yeah, um, and Castlevania is fantastic. You guys did a wonderful job with that whole property. Um, but even with that uh, cachet in your pocket, Seismanos is so different from uh, the even just typical anime. Uh, was there opposition along the way, even with Castlevania in your back pocket? Uh, and it, were there people saying, this is cool, but it's not going to work with all of the elements that you're trying to put together here? Yeah, and, and for what it's worth, and I'm not just saying this uh, for the sake of uh, the job and all of that, but like Netflix was just, it's, it's an incredible partner. They just take such chances. I mean, luckily for us, you know, they've kind of reached peak subscribers in the states right and so like they do have a mandate to go out and try to do more regional based stuff uh to try to grow uh, the audience globally um so that was a little bit of what helped with seismanos but they also trusted us and um you know really liked what alvaro uh and daniel dominguez were were writing and they they did you know they were highly involved but they kind of just let us go off and create this thing that like you said it's like it's its own <laughs> crazy little world and not, not something uh, that I, you know, expected that we would get to be able to do, 
But, you know, once you get that chance, you if somebody like if that crack opens, you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's make sure we do it. Let's do it right. Let's do it with authenticity. Let's do it in a way that, you know, it will, you know, hopefully make that crack a little bigger uh, yeah. so that mo- yeah. more shows like it can be done. Speaking of which, this came about uh, a little bit before uh, the the delicate situation that we're in right now, uh, socially, anti-Asian sentiment every, as a result of COVID and things like that. But the makeup of the cast of Seis Manos is already diverse to begin with. You have it set in Mexico, uh, a diverse cast uh, just in the main characters. Were you aware of what you were doing when you put that story and cast together uh, in terms of pushing that envelope? Because you were kind of ahead of your time in, in terms of what's go- going on in the in the news today. Yeah, I mean, we, it definitely was at the forefront of our minds. Like the, it was crazy happenstance that when you're looking to do a story like this um, and you wanted it set on a border town, like I, I, growing up in Texas, it was, it was important to me to continue to tell stories that, you know, you, you have a touchstone to, and that, you know, talk about different areas. Otherwise, you know, it'd be the same shows over and over and over again. And you, when you're creating something, it's always best to bring something. And, you know, I grew up in Texas in the eighties where there was all of this, you know, uh, crazy urban legends about satanic narco traffickers and all of that <laughs> other sort of stuff. And that, you know, what happened in Matamortis is, you know, one of those things that really stuck in my brain. And, uh, it was like, well, what if we kind of, what, what, what if we took some of the magic in the old Kung Fu movies, you know, and then kind of mixed that with that urban legend and stuff that I grew up with. And so, you know, and then you, we brought on Alvaro who just, you know, he added to so much to it, you know, as a, as a Latino gay creator, like he, he came in and uh, really helped to add a lot of things because he's used to underrepresentation, but he's also had the opportunity to make movies that make a real statement on that, like Machete <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and others. So like, to me, it was it was definitely always at the forefront of our mind, um, but it's one of those things where like the story happened to, you know, historically create this foundation that allowed us to build that organically on top of that. Uh, but that being said, I, I'll never forget, like in my initial pitch, like the the uh, version that before Al and that came in and added all this magic, and then Daniel came in and added all this magic. You know, Garcia was a man. Uh, like I, I, I had uh, envisioned him more as like, you know, uh, a more stereotypical character, you know, uh, <laughs> right, machismo right. mustache, that, that whole sort of thing. Uh, and then when we were researching it, uh, learning about when the DEA actually came in, in the seventies and was involved and stuff along the border, uh, we also learned that, you know, it was when the first female officers started rolling out in Mexico. And they were ahead of the United States a little bit at that time. And so you, you learn these things and you're like, oh man, that would be cool to actually throw some of that representation in there as well. Um, at Powerhouse, we always try to find stories that, you know, have underserved markets or, you know, creators who have a story to tell that hasn't really had the opportunity to get out there. And I don't want to like beat up, beat on a dead horse about it. But at the end of the day, like when you work in animation, you do a lot of the same shit 
over and over and over again, <laughs> right? I mean, it's kind of the gig, right? Sure, like you sure. draw the same character over and over again. And for so much of, you know, my career and the career of uh, my partners and people who came before me, you're working on just like the next version of Scrappy-Doo or you like, you know, like <laughs> the, the next formulaic version of whatever, right? And right. so when a gate opens, you're like, I want to tell these stories because we've never, you know, we've never been thought of in the States as, um, as a medium. It's been more like, mm. this is a genre. And like, right. once that crack starts breaking, you got to kick hard because like, I don't want it to ever come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you definitely kick hard, um, which leads me to the next question then. Um, you mentioned being a fan of fight choreography. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, uh, as a Kung Fu film fan myself, that's what drew me to the idea of Seis Manos and seeing those trailers. And I was like, there's Kung Fu in a cartoon. This looks amazing. Um, Now, when you're dealing with animation, you don't have to deal with wires and uh, you can push physics a little bit. But how did you develop the martial arts for the show um, and keep it so that it's not so crazy and it's not... It's not pushing the the wuxia style uh, so much, but there's a grounded uh, element to it, so that people who are kung fu film fans are like, oh, yeah, this feels familiar. This is this is my wheelhouse. Uh, what went into developing that for a an animation? Yeah, well, and it was it was part of the idea of Seis Manos from the get go. Like in animation, you can like if we wanted to, and you'll see it in the other shows like Castlevania, He Man, etc. Like there, you can do whatever you want. Sure. And so yeah. like the idea was like let's let's build that slowly, right? Let's start with re- real kung fu, and then by the time we get to episode four, episode you know six, <laughs> like it's yeah. we've broken some of that so that we're really taking advantage of the medium. Um, but the the thing about animation is you are working at 24 of a second. Like, you know, we'll, we'll draw every, you know, 12, uh, 12 frames per second to, to get animation going. So like you can do that nuance. And as a Kung Fu person, like it, it, it's, I don't know when, for me at least, and it might be because animation came first in a way, but when I'm doing a form and you're walking through it or doing it slowly, you're thinking about like, okay, here's a slight turn. Here's, here's where my foot turns slightly so that it catches the weight. You know, this is where the hand is. That's why I'm opening this door, all of those types of things. And in animation, you could actually like do that. You don't have to teach a person to do it and then, you know, hope it goes off. Right. You could actually control it to an extent. So what we did uh, was we brought my Sifu, Thomas Leverett, in, into the studio. And nice. he and I would just kind of work stuff out. But the difference between what we did on Monos and typical fight choreography is we had the storyboard artists in the room with us. We, we brought them all in. Like, we'd have mm. eight people standing around us, and we'd be like, all right, it's your shot. What do you want to do? Like, where do you want the camera what do you want to do? What I want to make sure in the scene is like Isabella's doing Hungar. We haven't done anything with Leopard. Uh, so it'd be cool to work that in, but like what's going on in the story and what did you want to do? And the board artist would kind of come and direct us a little bit. And so Ooh. 
we would be like, okay, well, what makes sense is she's got two guys fighting with her. This guy comes in from this way first. Oh, what'd be cool here is working a butterfly kick, blah, blah, blah. And then we would kind of work that out and they would sit around with their iPhones. We didn't do anything fancy. It was an empty office across from our office. And we're all just standing around practicing uh, doing Kung Fu and they were shooting it with iPhones. Then they'd take that back and then use it as a basis uh, to get some of the sort of, uh, authenticity in there that's amazing so you are actually sweating it out yeah (laughs) yeah like uh it's (laughs) there's lots of pictures of me dying because like thomas (laughs) thomas is my seafood so i'm gonna let him show like he's gonna do a little bit better than i can so it was usually me that played the guy who was getting beat up (laughs) because i knew what was coming next (laughs) that's cool that's cool um but you uh you you made a point to distinguish the the styles between the characters so what what went into to that what went into developing uh that signature style for each character because jesus's drunken boxing is Freaking awesome. I yeah. love Drunken Style. I love the way it looks. So he did a great job. And, and Patrick Standard and uh, Julie Olson and a whole bunch of other people worked on him a lot. And like they did a phenomenal job. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's kind of like that Peter and the Wolf thing, right? Where like every character gets assigned a specific instrument that's based on who the character is. And that's that's something I wanted to do from the get go. Like, like probably before any of the characters were named, it was like, but I want to have one that's, you know, Hungar, not just Hungar, but like five animals, you know, based on the small five animals form, very specific. Like I want that character because she's the one that, you know, wants to compromise and she could shift and she could change and all of that other sort of stuff. So I wanted her character to have that martial arts that defined that, right? And then Silencio, like it does, Bach May and Seven Star Mantis most of the time. But it's, it's like, this guy is all straight line, straight action. He's not thinking about the other person. He's just trying to maim, kill, and move on to the next thing. So, I, like, in his pure anger and revenge, and I wanted, like, the most brutal, pressure-pointy, like, temple strike sort of thing that uh, could be done. And then Jesus, like... I was I actually pushed back against him actually drinking from time to time in the uh, the beginning of the thing because I wanted to separate the two right, but it just worked out so well story wise that he's this character that's relaxed and doesn't know his true power and you know you know it just it fit the style so much and so you know luckily for for uh, me I I came up doing a little bit of hungar a little bit of mantis uh, I've never done drunken. Uh, so we would just read a lot, <laughs> walk a lot. <laughs> uh, and luckily, Sam O'Hung and some of these other guys, Jackie Chan are around that uh, have kept that, uh, that, uh, that style moving and, you know, recorded it a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's great. I, it, it really did look awesome uh, on screen. And it, that's something that's, as a, as a fight choreography fan myself, uh, that's always a little bit uh, iffy if that kind of action is going to look good in an animation, but you guys did such a great job with it. It looks uh, thank fantastic. You. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, animation takes forever. You know, it's like a year and a half from when you get started to when you're finally seeing, uh, you know, the final shots. And like every point is an iteration. You're like, oh God, I hope this works. Like, oh, it looks good <laughs> in the boards. I think it's going to work. It looks good in the animatics. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. And then like, by the time you get to like the animations actually coming in and getting married with the backgrounds, you're like, 
oh god <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, but like you said willis bulliner uh the director like he he held on to all the threads that you've got to hold on to 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 make it work and like making sure that they all stayed steady and then he had an assistant director adam conero who luckily also had done some martial arts and so oh, cool those two guys really 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 helped sell it all it, it definitely shows that there are people that at least knew what it should look like so that when you were finally watching it uh, on screen it it uh, it rang true so well and, and for what it's worth like we had movie nights a couple of times because you know <laughs> most of my employees are millennials or younger and so like you know sometimes you're like yeah here's kid with the golden arm and they're you're showing them a scene from it and they're like why is this? <laughs> why is it this we had one night where we all went over to uh, one of the assistant director's houses uh, and watched uh, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct uh, uh, 13 because oh, yeah. none of them had had seen it. And so, and it's such a movie of its time, which is perfect for what we were doing. Like we wanted that 70s authenticity, that 70s uh, feel. Uh, but, you know, I think me and a couple other people were the only people in the room who were familiar with it. So. <laughs> did you uh, did you get to show them Five Element Ninjas at all? Uh, but, <laughs> uh, Five Element Ninja. Uh, I I think Willis and I watched a few scenes from that because, like, you know, a lot dies on the cutting room floor, right? But, sure. Like, I always wanted to do some, like, people popping out of the ground and from walls and all of that other sort of stuff. I just thought that would be so dope. Um, the House of Traps is another one. Oh yeah, uh, where it's like I, I think I wrote up a whole page of like here's how we can pay tribute to House of Traps, and none of that made it in the actual <laughs> series. So you know. Well, uh, let me ask then, uh, what kind of stuff um, did you pull from uh, from the the Kung Fu film storehouse uh, that you you paid homage to that uh, that longtime fans would would pick out right yeah, away? Yeah, not not to sound like a crazy person, but I actually had it next to me because I was watching some stuff over the weekend. Like I've got nice. a journal uh, where I just like keep all the movies I watch. Oh, like this is nice. Avenging, Ingle, uh, Avenging yeah. Eagle and Come Drink With Me. And I'll watch yeah. them and I'll put in, you know, what at what time code, which type of fight scene comes up. And so um, I think Executioners for Shaolin is probably the most, uh, if I'm remembering it right, is the one that we took like the most scene from. There's this one part where Chu grabs the first zombie spoiler alert and like twists his chest and separates it. And you yeah. see the sternum, like that's almost shot for shot. Those three shots, uh, right, right, right. pulled from that, that Shaw Brothers film. Um, and so we, we, I did a lot of that where I would be like, okay, here's a scene where, you know, uh, you got the meteor hammer scene, right. Uh, yep. where the guy in the church is using <laughs> the, uh, the Catholic, I can't remember the name of it, uh, right now. Uh, but the the thing with the incense and using it like yeah. a meteor oh, yeah. hammer. Yeah. And so even though that is just like a couple shots, uh, I think Julie uh, Olson was the one who did that. I, I sent her a few links of here's some forms with the meteor hammer. Here's some, you know, films that you know, have a cool thing with the meteor hammer. Like, let's just try to, to get a little bit of that in there. Um, the episode four is straight up like, we we take a lot from uh, the Carpenter film. Like we really mm, try to right pay there. true yeah. homage to that and the music and and everything. So like I don't know. Like there's uh, there's so much 
little bits and pieces of a whole bunch of shot. And it might just be something as simple as like, did you see the way Silencio like did that one strike? That's straight out of, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, stylistic elements too. Uh, I want to uh, touch on this. Um, Just uh, in how the animation looked from time to time. You had some grain with the film, the reel would catch, uh, there would be cigarette burns in the, in the, uh, in the corners. Um, why go to that length to make it feel like a, a grindhouse film? Yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, most of that is, is Willis and Adam helped them do that in there. But like, we wanted to use it as a device. Like, first of all, you know, Tarantino and other folks have done that sort of stuff from time to time, but sure. Like, the guys really researched it. Like when the cigarette burns show up, it's always at a time in the episode where it would make sense. And so Mm. uh, Willis had this great idea where it's like, generally when you, you know, you see a scene, a a heavy action scene in an old Shaw Shaw film and it's pulled from like the 35 millimeter, the fight scenes are usually the ones that have the most wear and tear. Uh, because it's the scene that, you know, they would watch over and over again in the theater before it, before it played. And so what Willis wanted to do was like in these scenes of heightened emotion, like uh, Silencio as a child is a good example. Um, uh, and some of the fight scenes, the, it, we would add more grain and more grit just to like give it that feeling of what happened with uh, those, those uh, old shows and the old reels. And so, like it was, it was definitely a thing that. Uh, hi, Grayson. I'm doing an interview. All right. <laughs> There's my little BBC moment. Um, hey, Grayson. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so like we just really wanted to use that as something because it's you know you saw it on all the old UHF things that I used to watch, and so like it, it's part. I don't know. It's 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 one of those things that I think will be forgotten. Uh, as people clean stuff up and we remaster everything and like, I don't know, there's a part of it to me that's endemic of the actual films themselves. I don't know. I thought it was a great touch. It was nice to see it. I was like, Oh wow. That's good. It was a nice callback to, like you said, uh, the films from, from our youth. And it was a nice little uh, reminder of what, what uh, doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Um, what about uh, what about the cast uh, in terms of voices for the show? Uh, great voices. Mike Coulter, I, I know, uh, was uh, awesome in the the Marvel uh, series. Yeah. So um, how how did that whole cast come together for you? Yeah, Mike was one of the people that we got um, uh, near the end as we got closer to records. And oh, I, I I I in my mind, like he is Luke Cage. And again, yeah. if you're a fan of <laughs> 70s Shaw Brothers films, your favorite uh, Marvel stuff is going to be Iron Fist, Luke Cage, you know, yeah, stuff from yeah. that era. So, like, I adored him and love that show. And he did such a phenomenal job. And his voice is just, like, as smooth and amazing as they, they get. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, Trejo was the first person we got. So, luckily, oh, because nice. of uh, Alvaro uh, working on Machete and all of that other sort of stuff, we actually got him to come in and record an animatic that we used to help pitch the show. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, my kid, the one that just walked in, big mass singer fan, right? The, the show that's on right. Fox. And so, uh, you know, spoiler alert too, like Trejo was on it recently. And like, as soon as he comes out, like 
I just hear a slight fraction of a word and I'm like, Oh shit, that's Danny. Cause like, <laughs> I've heard his, I've heard his voice just like over and over and over and over again. It's very, it's, it's, it's easy to distinguish. So it's not like I'm Sherlock Holmes, but <laughs> like at the end of the day, like I just also had heard it over and over again so many times. Um, but Iseline Derbez, uh, I, as Isabella, like it was a phenomenal find by our casting director, uh, Meredith Lane, who, casts many of our shows and she's just she thinks outside of the box she's an amazing casting director but um uh Iseline, if, if you if you're a hungar fan was like so great about like uh, we had made a whole video of like you know here's the various sounds of hungar and like it's not oh, wow. small right yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like here's hup and ho and wah and d and this is what <laughs> they mean and this is you know from this part of your diaphragm uh, and all of that other sort of stuff. And so she sat and watched a video and we went over it and like did, did it all in the booth over and over and over again. I mean, I, I think she was phenomenal. Uh, Johnny Cruz uh, also as, as Jesus was another wonderful casting decision by Meredith. Um, and he, he and Iseline usually would record together. And so, um, you know, they were mostly in the scenes uh, with one another anyway and had this great interaction and they were they were always together so um and then uh you know Vic Chow just did a great job he's both true and low and he would change his voice enough to where they really were two different characters uh he's also a martial artist so like he had like, we made him That's do fantastic. all the different efforts for every other style right because he's the teacher and so he would have to know all of them and so like there, like, so he had, like, I remember he was just pouring with sweat at the end of a day of records uh, after having to do all the various uh, uh, Kung Fu sounds and efforts. So uh, I don't know, we, we had a, an amazing cast and uh, <laughs> like it, that was probably the most fun of the whole process. That's cool. And, and much respect too, for uh, taking the, uh, respect of the martial arts uh, down to the voice cast, because to be able to get them to understand uh, what was needed and wh what was uh, expected of, of that particular fighting style. That's awesome that that comes through that way. Yeah. No. And like, it's, it's one of my favorite things about the show. Like, and it's, it's one of those things that's probably only going to matter to like a small handful of people. Right. Cause even, even in Hungar, like I, I, we, learned Hungar from uh, Kung Fu Joe, Josephus Colvin. Like he's, you know, the Sifu that brought it in, into our school. And, it, you know, sometimes it gets specific to even a teacher, which one uses what sound where. And so like, but, but to me, like she says, wow, when she's supposed to, she says, ho, when she's supposed to. And like, I don't think it, uh, Brad Engelking, uh, who's this amazing uh, uh, sound uh, guy, just he supervised all the sound effects and the mix for us and all that. He was so patient with me because like, <laughs> they would lay it all in and I'd be like, wait, go back. No, that should be a hop. That's a hop. Like, no. They're like, can you really tell the difference? And like, and the music is swelling here. So like, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, right, but oh, that should be a hop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, you mentioned uh, Luke Cage and uh, I'm not going to ask you to throw anybody under the bus, but Iron Fist wasn't quite <laughs> what uh, what it should have been. And you, you talked about the, the right things being uh, noticed by uh, maybe a small handful, but that matters. That really matters because when something like 
Iron Fist is out there and you can clearly see that the care wasn't taken where it probably should have, those of that handful of us, we're going to be the ones that are most critical of it. And it, it takes us out of that entire experience. I never got that with Six Miles because I was wrapped up in it. And just because it all made sense and you guys clearly took the care to represent it well. Well, and, you know, and I feel for the, the actor in that, the, that film, I mean, in that series quite a bit because it, it's one of those things, I think even for a passing fan of martial arts cinema, like all the greats, you know, you read Jackie Chan's biography, you know, the autobiography that came out recently, you learn about Sammo Hong and like, it wasn't minor training these guys did. You know, it was like up at six in the morning, do it until late at night. And like the Kung Fu's in there. Right. And, and same with, with Lee, right. But it was street practice and rooftops and all of that other sort of stuff that led to it being in his body. And so, you know, it's something you can't fake, right? Like even a passing fan is going to know and see that it's, it's not in somebody's body. Like, you know, and I'm again not trying to throw anybody under the bus, and I don't know the situation of what happened there. But like, I've been doing this for 20 years. I was in my garage earlier this morning and was like doing a form and thinking, what What is this again? Like, what movement? Like, what is this? And you know, it's a form I've been doing for years and years and years and years. And you sit and think about it. You go back and watch videos. You know, like, and you. It, it's not something you could fake because it's kind of like in the other part of your brain that, you know, the, the automatic hard drive that your body just does. And it's really easy to see uh, when, when somebody doesn't have that necessarily in their, their body. And like, it's, it's not fair to throw somebody in a Kung Fu film uh, and put them in that situation and say, like, no, we're going to fix it in editing because you can't. <laughs> yeah. And they certainly could not, <laughs> but um, Michael Matsuda uh, was a consultant on uh, avatar, the yeah. original uh, avatar animations. Um, and he uh, mentioned that uh, a lot of people thought that avatar was one of the best representations of martial no arts doubt. In, in animation. No doubt. Um, Seismanos has to be has to be up there. You guys have to feel like you're you're throwing your hat into that ring, no? No, I mean, and, and you know, <laughs> Avatar and Korra like are phenomenal shows, yeah, like on, yeah. on many 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 fronts. But you know, they also brought in the Sifu, uh, Kisu, I think, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, you could tell like those <laughs> those sections at the beginning of the episode out of the gate, you're like, oh, that kid is doing hungar. Like and each each water bending, you know, earth bending, they all have a specific martial arts that tied to them. And people did the work; they found the research. And a casual watcher like my kid may not know, but they would know if they did. <laughs> like right, I don't right, know right. how else to put it. Like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of those things where, like, we grew up enough with martial arts and cinema that you know even from a child, like watching, you know, something that's done right. Like even like not necessarily martial arts, but like the fight choreography is done right. Like Falcon winter, winter soldier is a good recent yeah. example. Yeah, uh, yeah. Derek Coldstad who did all the John Wick films is an EP on that. I, I, again, I don't know the situation of how they got it in there, but you just know when it's done right. Right. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay, this, this makes sense because 
you know, in my, and this might be cockamamie and I don't want to put it out on a podcast necessary, but my, my, my theory is always like, you know, that's part of who we are as humans. Like mm-hmm. fighting used to be something that we had to do. And when it's not done right, we, we know it in that monkey reptile yes. part of our brain. <laughs> We're just like, yes. that's yes. not what we have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then let me ask you then, what do you think, uh, Seismonos aside, uh, are good representations of martial arts uh, in entertainment right now? Do you, ha- do you have uh, some things you-, you pointed out, like Falcon Winter Soldier just now, but uh, are there other things out there that speak to you as a martial artist that where you go, yeah, yeah they're doing it right and it looks good? Yeah, I, I mean, the Marvel stuff, like the, even when it's not like specific martial arts based, like they just really know how to put a story together. Like, and you know, not to get too esoteric about it, but like that's what fight choreography is, right? Fight choreography is a a dance that tells more of the story and it should have those moments in it where you're furthering the character, you're furthering the narrative. Like it shouldn't just be like, so all right, something badass happens here. Make them do the badass <laughs> stuff. Like it should, it's more than yeah. that. Like one of my favorite, and this shows my age too, but like they live... It's one of the dirtiest fight choreography things, the Roddy Piper and the alleyway fight, but it serves so much of who that character is and what he's trying to do. And it expands the narrative in such a perfect way. And, you know, the Rocky films also all kind of do that with their, their fight choreography. It's not just about having a fight. Um, but in, in animation, there's, there's lots of amazing examples. Like, you know, Naruto, of course, like has amazing uh, fight sequences. Sam Dietz uh, turned me on to that stuff and I just couldn't stop watching it. So there's tons, tons of that inside of anime. Uh, and then, you know, I think uh, the, the Avatar stuff continues to be like the high water mark for it in animation. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, apparently they're coming back, uh, yeah. the whole Avatar universe. So that's cool. Um, how about uh, the reaction from the martial arts uh, community then? Has it been positive? Uh, I- I'm giving you positive <laughs> kudos, obviously. But um, what's been the reaction from the community at large on uh, on what Seis Manos is bringing to the genre? It's been generally supportive, which for what it's worth, it was one of the things that I was worried about. Like, you know... Between us, and I'm sure you're more familiar with this uh, than I am, like, there's a lot of toxic stuff on uh, social media inside the martial arts, right? You know, people who haven't been doing it a lot, like, well, that's not how the form goes without (laughs) understanding that, you know, Sifu's learn different things and teach over time. And there's, you know, all these branches of a family. So it changes, right? And then, you know. You know, uh, like you see people post a form, someone who's learning and they're like, I don't see power generation. You're like, shut up. You can't see that (laughs) on a Facebook video. Like, what are you even talking about? This guy put this out there uh, (laughs) and like, that's what you're bringing to him. And so like, I was expecting like a little bit of that. Right. And we, Mm -hmm. we didn't get it. Like for, for what it's worth, the community was really supportive uh, a lot of people help post it around and like, I feel like we hit a vein uh, of martial arts fans uh, uh, out there that really embraced and supported the show and, and saw what we were really trying to do with it. That's cool. Uh, and now uh, that season one is done, you've, you're 
doing Castlevania. What other stuff are you working on outside of the Seismonis universe? Well, right now we are we're we're uh, in the tail end of Castlevania season four, just kind of wrapping that stuff up and getting that uh, show ready to go out. Uh, we are in the middle of He-Man, uh, which has been a blast. Uh, uh, it's you know it's something that I and many of the people I work with grew up with. Uh, Kevin Smith, who the studio knows really well, we've worked with stuff uh, throughout the entire history of the studio with, with Kevin, uh, and <laughs> he's fun and great. And so this is this <laughs> is the true love letter to the fans. Like uh, this is the PG thirteen ish like you're actually going to get to see them clash swords and there'll be real stakes and, and all of that other sort of stuff. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, and then, you know, uh, it got announced. I'm trying to think of all the things I can talk about. <laughs> um, uh, I got announced that uh, we're working on Kong with legendary. So we're doing uh, Kong skull Island, which is super cool. exciting. Uh, cool. Another great IP to work with. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're working on some other things, but like I said, animation takes forever. And so usually by the time uh, something gets announced, we've been on it for like a year. And so it's, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah that, that we're doing that. <laughs> we've been doing it for a while. Um, so He-Man does not have the Page Boy haircut anymore. No, he's, got, he's no. still got the same hair, man. Like he's rocking the old dude, right? Like we can kind of make him look a little better, but uh, you know, he's still, um, awesome. but like, I don't know. It's, 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 <laughs> Um, it's one of those things, man. Like it's, it's what our studio tries to do. It's like when, from the get go, we, uh, when they were telling us about the idea, we were like, man, like you never got to see the fights. Right. And it goes back to what yeah. you and I were yeah. talking about earlier. It's like, you got He-Man and Skeletor. And as a kid, you're watching the show, just like, come on, come on. Yeah. Yep. Just <laughs> once. And like, it's the same yeah. animation of him punching the screen and the same animation of him rolling around or running this way and turning around and running back the other way. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. never got to see the action. And so like, <laughs> um, that's something that I, I hope we bring to it. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, and I'm going to ask though, I know you're going to shut me down. Uh, what's going on with States Mono season two? Is yeah, there anything? Unfortunately, I can't really talk much about it. I mean, we're not working on it at this yeah. time, but you know, I'm hoping okay. uh, that we'll get a chance to come back to it. Like, uh, I, I think it's an amazing universe. It's something I want to continue to explore. So hopefully we're not done with it, but uh, right now I can say we're not working on it. Okay. All right, cool. That's cool. But um, there is definitely a lot of story left there no to tell. Um, if uh, I know you guys were doing um, watch-alongs for a while on social media. Uh, if you guys have not seen it yet, queue it up, binge it. It's fantastic. Uh, Brad Graber, Alvaro Rodriguez has done an amazing job with the, the entire Space Monus universe. And for martial arts fans, if you are a fan at all of Shaw Brothers or Golden Harvest, you're going to see... The, the clear love letter to the entire genre there in Safe Smiles. So, Brad, thank you so much for taking some time to talk. It was a blast talking with you. Um, I hope to see more of Safe Smiles and, and much more from Powerhouse Animation uh, for the years to come. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Uh, Wu-Tang is for the children, apparently. Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> Protect your neck. Huge, huge thanks to Brad Graber for spending some time talking with me about Seis Manos. It was so cool to hear the love and respect for the kung fu film genre that went into the series. Now, if you haven't checked it out yet, put it on your Netflix to watch list and get drawn into the world of San Simon and revel in the amazing martial arts action from Isabella, Jesus, and Silencio, just to name a few. 
I truly hope there's a season two in the works. Brad was not about to give up any info on that. But we can do our part by watching the hell out of season one and letting Netflix know that we need more Seis Manos. Buena suerte to Brad and Powerhouse Animation Studios. But in the meantime, it's not like they're not busy doing other incredible work. Give them a follow at Powerhouse Creative on Instagram and let Brad know that you checked out his interview right here on the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. See the iron fisted bunk before the daily prayers Shouting monks on their hands, running down the thousand stairs The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands With the fearless idea roaming over the land Yeah, the little big soldier is older and wiser He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars Fight for the cars, then pause, hear the applause Not again, back kicks will defeat the outlaws Very good, but boards don't hit back Yeah, the death jewel's here, Derry D is coming back the Tai Chi master, jelly's even faster Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master Once upon a time in China Rosamund Kwan is real fine But see Maggie show his spine Golden Swallow has arrived Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive We've got the brave archer make his way to the top Of the mountain gonna fight, may as well pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black, cut the vampires back We've got Lam Ching Ying to kill them all to so stand back You place the black magic on the soul of the sword And our sword will travel until his body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shaolin and Mantis style Yeah, defeat the enemy and watch you run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See, it's a game of death, yo, you're facing the big boss. It's once upon a time in China, counting the TikTok. The shogun assassin slashing blood just drip drop. The head kick, neck drop, balance the bone stop. Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins. He's got her just in yellow, but she is in the dragon, but in the tea rooms. That's where it'll happen. She got the bodies on the floor. When the blood, it'll splatter against the walls. No fear at all, to kill them all. There's always blood spill when you head into a war. Fearless. Unleash the fist of legend that the car gently I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumbling the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Welcome to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting ha. This time it's war, we smash the place so with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting